0: Okay, coming on um, for our weekly uh, live broadcast, and I'm going to be looking at a couple of questions over here. Let's see. AMM, how are you? By the way, I saw a message that came through. Um, there was a link that was sent out for the schedules, and uh, my link's already been taken down now. That's probably what happened because I know there were there were at least, um, I don't remember how many, eight or nine people that had scheduled like within the first 24 hours. And um, so those spots had gone, mm. but I'm going to go ahead and get something set up for you so that we can go ahead and take care of it. So um, I know there were a couple of people that aren't here regularly, uh, Andrea, I believe Louise, uh, Tiffany, there were a number of people that aren't here regularly that were actually, that got that link for me. So I'm not sure what happened with UMM, but um, we'll get that link out to you. I'll try to get that out to you, or, or Cindy will try to get that out to you in the next, uh, probably in the next couple of days. Um, all right, so uh, hi everybody. Let's see, Luis says, uh, sent me something today about being moderated. I click open this picture, not find anywhere. Um, I didn't send anything out, Luis, today. It would have been a couple of, uh, probably about a week ago, but I can certainly send that out again. And um, maybe maybe Andrew can cop send that to you, or one of the or Tiffany maybe could send that to you, but I'll, I'll try to get that out to you as well, all right? Okay, so... There have been a lot of different questions that have been submitted, and what I'm going to try to do in order to make this the most efficient, um, because I don't think that we are able to even get to, you know, more than a couple of questions per week, and the questions are coming in a lot faster than that. So what I'm going to try to do, just to be as fair as possible, is to try to answer the oldest questions. and. Just try to catch up that way because otherwise if I'm just taking the most recent questions or something, it just doesn't, doesn't, it's not the most, um, it's not the fairest way of doing it. Okay, so um, we have um, a question that came in. It's It's a question from Kimberly and Last name is Andre and Kimberly is from the United States. It's a general toxicity question. And um, let's see. The question is Dr. Pitar, I'm a 65 year old female with rheumatoid arthritis diagnosed six years ago. I've never taken prescription meds, but I'm trying to treat holistically with autoimmune diet and natural inflammatories. I think she meant natural anti inflammatories like turmeric and supplements. I have managed to feel healthy in every way except my shoulders are the targeted weak spot with bone-on-bone pain, sometimes bad, sometimes not so bad. I began uh, NDO one two weeks ago. You suggested I use a formula for joints, but I wanted to start one and then the other. For exercise, I walk a lot, do light weights for muscle retention, but two weeks ago, I overdid push-ups. I compensate I compensated my wrecked shoulders by putting too much force on my elbows, and now I have a bursa on my elbow. I began rest, ice, compression, and elevation, worked a little, not enough, then I transplanted some azaleas back to square one. What am I lacking in my nutrition? What am I lacking in my nutrition that this happened? I was a bodybuilder for 25 years, any suggestions? Okay, so part of this is, uh, should probably be, I should have kept this particular question for the IADFW, but uh, let me answer some of the things from a general perspective. And um, this question is a question that probably affects more than, I'd say probably more than 20% of uh, people over the age of 60, um, possibly even a lot more than that. So when you start looking at things such as rheumatoid arthritis and start looking at things such as um, osteoarthritis, uh, such as degenerative joint, but basically a coverall terminology that's used to bring in all degenerative joint type conditions, anything that's arthritic or that's bone related that is chronic in nature, anything that causes inflammation or pain that, uh, especially with the increase in humidity or cold, will make it worse. Anything like that, or fracture sites sites that have prosthesis in them like a hip or a knee replacement, any of those types of things. Those types of conditions can be pretty dramatically impacted from a symptomatic standpoint in as little as 60 seconds. So I'm not gonna go into the specific here, but I will on the IADFW portion, but I know that for you, Kimberly, since you asked this question, and since you're on ndo one you're already an IADFW member. If you weren't, you wouldn't have access to that. So for those people that were at the Advanced Medicine Conference, during my first lecture when I talked about the impact of belief and um, basically it was talking about experience and and all the five different levels of experience and how these experiences and how our experiential experience impacts our physiology and going back to essentially the whole concept of your environment having an impact on you and that goes everything from your internal environment your external environment your the environment within your brain and, you know, your physiological environment, everything. And in fact, it talks about, the, the lecture talked about the specific impact on our physiology. So for those of you that were present at that conference, at the Advanced Medicine Conference, you saw us bring up about, I guess it was probably 30 people up on stage. And it was a question that I put out there and it was specifically regarding joint problems. If, uh, if any of you that are online right now remember that. That was a very specific reason I brought that particular patient subpopulation up from the audience because I wanted to see how many people's um, joints where they had chronic joint pain, how many of those people we could impact in, you know, the five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, whatever. Pretty much I think there was nobody there that wasn't impacted in less than two minutes, two and a half minutes. And um, that is... Just from a symptomatic standpoint, now there are other components to it, which actually the more you use it, the less a person's problem um, becomes problematic. I guess that's the best way of saying it. It's not as problematic. The problems become less problematic. But the question is, what are you lacking nutritionally that allows you to re-injure or potentially re-injure yourself? So let me answer that question, and then from a symptomatic relief standpoint, um, you already said it in the message, Kimberly, that I had suggested uh, two different components for you, and you decided to start one. Do start the other one too, and that's a local one. Okay, so there's there's two formulas. One is a locally applied, and one is a, a systemically applied. But let's talk about the nutrient aspect, and then I will go back into this into more detail on the IADFW side. So from a nutrient standpoint, whenever somebody is injuring themselves or find themselves more prone to injuries or find themselves um, not as resilient as they used to be or whatever the phenomenon may be where you yourself on some level are conscious that you are um, that you are more susceptible to injuries or becoming more susceptible to becoming more susceptible to the things that you used to do and didn't have a problem with, but now when you're doing those same things, they end up becoming uh, more problematic or less, um, you, you're less resilient, maybe that's the best term to say. It. If, if you're experiencing that type of scenario, then there are two components that you, start, you need to start looking at, okay? Now, obviously, if you've got a burst on your elbow from doing the push-ups, you strained your elbows too much so while doing your push-ups, you already had a chronic injury, so there's a, there's a uh, lack of recovery time, perhaps that's the first thing. And as we, when people say, well, this is just because you're old, that's a bunch of garbage, okay, there's no such thing. But when, as we uh, mature, our requirement increases for us to recover when we are injured because we're not in the growth phase of our life as we were when we were younger, when we were, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 years old, we're in a growth phase, so healing is a lot faster. But as we start to hit our 50s and our 60s and our 70s, um, especially as we get into our into our 60s and 70s, our ability to heal as fast is reduced. There's no such thing as that the recovery, to, you can't, when people say, well, that's just you're too old, that's not true. There's no such thing. That's just all garbage but our ability to recover from an injury may take a little bit longer. And so you may not be giving yourself enough time to recover, that's the first thing, from from those injuries. The second thing is from a nutrient standpoint, I have found that the single most important component that one needs from a nutrient standpoint when they're prone to injuries and when they're trying to recover, especially based upon our uh, chronological age, we, we tend to start wasting minerals. All right, so we need to have a very, very good, broad-spectrum multivitamin mineral, but it's actually the multi-mineral uh, component in injuries is more prevalent. This includes not just joint issues, but actually includes muscle uh, injuries, strains, sprains, um, if you've uh, had any type of um, bruising, uh, you know, fall, you're sore, Uh, But especially when it comes to like the low back strains and when it comes to things such as um, just overall joint issues, minerals are one of the most important components, okay? And then how our bodies are able to absorb those minerals, that's one of the biggest issues because sometimes we don't absorb them the way we need to. So absorption is a key which now comes back to the gut. So how your gut's functioning, how well your gut's functioning, and now this comes all the way back to the Map to Get Ahead program that we've talked about before. There's those five components that you have to do. Um, we call it the two simple changes to implement in your life to change your life, but there are actually five components in the video. And the reason I only say that they're, uh, the label of the video is two simple changes to implement to change your life, and yet I talk about five. The reason that I do that is because three of them are literally passive. Um, you, you, you know, all you have to do is, consciously think about it and then just do it but they're passive in the sense that you could be doing you could be reading a book or you could be you know peeling the potatoes or you know whatever you want to do while doing a couple of these components so there are only two that take a a concerted effort in my opinion and and it's not that much of an effort either because I've broken that down about as simple as a person possibly could so those five changes if you're doing that in the map to get ahead program um, that's going to help you first of all All right. Now, the key is consistency. So one of those five steps, uh, specifically the second one that I talk about on the video, um, you're already doing one of them. But the other one, if you just start doing this, and I've actually talked about this in the book too, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, that in itself is going to make a massive difference. Now you add a good quality multi-mineral. And if you remember the IEDFW, um, then that would be, you would look at M4. That's what you'd want to get. Um, Obviously, if you're not an... IEDFW member is irrelevant because you can't access this stuff. But for m for those of you that are IEDFW members, M4 is a key. And I'll talk about the other component when we get into IEDFW component. But minerals are the probably the most important component. And I'm not just talking about a single mineral. You know, some people say, well, magnesium, you need to do this, or, you know, you need to do um, more calcium because you're obviously not absorbing enough calcium, or, you know, it's a selenium issue, or you want silica. For, you know, all those things are important, and all those things are correct. None of those things pieces of information I just put out there that people would say would be considered incorrect because, you know, a person may have low silica or low phosphorus, and that may be the reason, or another person may be low in magnesium or low in selenium or whatever the case is. My overall thought process has always been that we should supplement in balance. And when we take a single supplement by itself, unless there's a very specific reason to do so, like if, if we've done... Uh, urine, hair, fecal, and red blood cell analysis, and we see a person is very low in, say, you know, in, in the blood chemistries, they show that low in potassium, which cannot cause irritability in the heart. And, you know, we see a low reservoir in, in other vectors as well as in the urine, say, or the hair or whatever the case may be. Um, I am going to supplement potassium singly or maybe magnesium singly. But that's usually not, I usually don't single I don't usually take a mineral uh, in a single manner and then supplement it. I usually do it in a broad spectrum. Now, there are certain exceptions to that rule because if we have people in the clinic and we're measuring certain things, as I said, and we're giving them intravenous um, treatments or whatever the case may be, and we see some of these specific mineral levels lower than the rest of them, then I will give uh, specific minerals, either orally and or intravenously to help to bring those levels back up. But generally speaking, I don't do that because you can create a relative deficiency in a mineral by single by supplementing a single mineral. What I mean by that is that if I give somebody say say I, I see copper, I start giving somebody copper. Okay, um, so um, I start supplementing the copper, and because I see that copper is low, or I think that copper is low, but Zinc to copper in, a, in the body should be at a very specific ratio. So when, in the, when you're checking the urinary reserve, zinc to copper ratio should be 10 to 1 zinc to copper. All right? But if I start giving a lot of copper and the ratio of zinc to copper goes to 5 to 1, even though I've brought the copper back up to maybe the normal level, I've created a relative deficiency of zinc because I've given too much copper that's thrown the balance off. Right? So you end up becoming like a dog chasing its tail because you're trying to balance the system. And what we have to understand as human beings, no matter how good we may be as doctors or physiologists or PhDs or whatever the case is, we are not going to supersede the ultimate engineer's design, Okay, God's design. So by giving a single supplement, the problem we run into, the potential problem we run into is that imbalance that we're creating, the relative uh, relative deficiency that we're creating. And of course, like I said, I I do do that sometimes, but I'm doing that in a clinical setting with a patient where I'm measuring certain things, and it's only to bring that one level up, and then I go back to the broad spectrum. I never stop giving the broad spectrum support. In other words, I don't say, okay, now I'm going to pull off the multimineral and not just give you copper. I'm not going to do that because then I'm going to create exaggerated relative deficiencies. What I want to do is I want to give them the blanket component that's covering them with everything, and then I want to supplement with some additional, in that particular case if it's copper, to help to get rid of that immediate deficiency that I'm seeing without creating a potential catastrophe by creating a relative deficiency. And this is a very, very big issue when we start dealing with uh, chelators, because that is one of the things. Chelators are extremely effective, but we're not just pulling out the bad things you're pulling out some of the good things and those are the minerals and so we have to make sure we're replenishing the system. So coming back to the original question with, uh, with Kimberly for the arthritis component, so you want you want to make sure you've you got, you've got uh, good quality minerals. Um, if you're an IEDFW member, our recommendation is M4. A lot of doctors are using M4 in their own practices. Um, it's a very broad-spectrum mineral, so that's one component. Um, I would also—I'll make a couple of the suggestions uh, on the IEDFW component when I go there. But uh, then you also want to make sure there's other components, as B vitamins and such. And again, I'm giving you a very, very basic component, um, not to prevent things like juvenile rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis or degenerative joints, but more talking about the susceptibility to injuries. So if you're susceptible to injuries, and you know your question was, what nutrients am I lacking? You're lacking one nutrient is of rest, because if you're injured, you need to give yourself more rest. And two, the nutrients from a broad spectrum is a good quality multivitamin, multimineral. Minerals, because we tend to waste them, uh, and the the vitamins, just because you need the uh, B5, B6, the B12. Um, During periods of stress, our bodies are burning through those B vitamins, okay? And we are, when we are in recovery mode, or when we've injured ourselves, we're also utilizing more, uh, more B vitamins because when when you get adrenally exhausted, when you are when your adrenal glands are really being weighed down, when you're being um, under duress, let's put that when your body's under stress, physiological stress or physical stress or emotional, psychological, mental stress, it doesn't make any difference. You are burning through minerals and you're burning through your B vitamins. So when you want to support the adrenals, that's one of the things besides all the specific things we do with the adrenals, you want to support the body with the B vitamins and the minerals. So we do that, and that's why I'm recommending that you do that if you're in a body, if your body's injured because that is a type of stress. So B vitamins um, and minerals, and of course, there's other components, but a good quality multivitamin would probably suffice, and then taking the additional minerals. So a good quality multivitamin, again, this isn't relevant for all of you unless you're an IADW member. But that would be uh, M4, for the minerals, and the M1, which is our overall multivitamin. That's what I recommend. That's what I take on a daily basis. Um, of course, there's other multivitamins you can take and minerals you can take, um, and you're welcome to do that. But that's what we use in our clinic. That's what we use uh, with certain doctors that have come to our training program use. That's what I personally use, it's what my family members use. Uh, and so if you want to try that, that's, that's, uh, that's where I would start. Then, of course, making sure you give yourself enough rest. And uh, then start looking at NDO2, So we'll talk more about that when we get to the IEDFW portion. All right. So that was a pretty long answer to that question. And let me just go through here and see if there's some co- comments regarding this. Alexia asks, uh, did you hear that the FDA is destroying stem cells harvested and stored for years because they say that stem cells are considered a regulated drug? The company is U.S. Stem Cells, Inc. Is this going to be the norm going forward with stem cell harvesting and storage? I feel so sorry for the people who are having their stem cells destroyed. My sister is one of those affected. She wanted to use them for low back disc injections. So, Alexia, I have not heard this. I do know that for children that are born, like my youngest son, who's now 14, when he was born, we did uh, retain placental cord blood. That was an option that we were given. So I don't think that's affecting those types of uh, stem cell harvested from the individual themselves. In other words, what we call autologous uh, or autogenous um Stem cell harvesting—I—I I don't know about that, and that's something that we may need to check into. I do know there are other things that the FDA is doing, but not around the stem cells. I know that they're trying to ban the importation of DMPS, which is a very effective mercury chelator. That I know, um, but um, I can't—I can't, I can't uh, comment specifically on that, Alexia. Uh, okay, Kimberly is actually Kimberly Andrew who. Asked a question it happens to be online to us. So that's good. That worked out good, Kimberly. I'm glad that we were able to answer your question. You are here. Uh, Tracy says I don't see M4 on the advanced medicine dashboard. Can we order it online? Actually, if it's not on the dashboard, we'll get it on there. There are a lot of things that probably aren't on the dashboard, and then I talk about it and people ask. But um, somebody made the comment that you know when I'm doing these broadcasts, I'm not, I'm not. Um, I'm not planning well because I'm not having the products on, on the line, but I'm not talking about these things to sell the products, I'm just talking about it because it becomes pertinent. And then, you know, we, we've never created a product to try to sell. We've always created a product because we had a need, because we had a patient in the clinic that needed something, so then we created something for that person. And that's how some of these things actually started. So I apologize if it seems like we're not organized, it's not that we're not organized, I just don't think that way. So. The reason it's not on there is because I've never thought about having it on there, but you're asking the question, so I'm telling you, and you have access to the stuff, so there's no reason why we shouldn't have it on there. So I will make sure that we have M4 and M1 uh, put on the dashboard for for the IEDFW members. You're most welcome, Kimberly, most welcome. Susan uh, asks, react poorly to methyl Bs. Okay, if if you react, I assume the question is, what if you react poorly to methyl Bs? So, Susan, if you react poorly to methyl Bs, there's a couple of issues going on. One, it could be the form that the B vitamins are in. Okay, so there's there's different components. Uh, some people can't absorb them. Some people, because the, they're not, they're in the pre-digested way, if you can think of it that way. So what I call end-chain B vitamins, meaning that they've already gone through the process of breakdown. Um, so we have those versions. Um, Sometimes it's just not good quality stuff that a person's taking. Sometimes there's an allergenicity component, but it's not the allergenicity to B vitamins because if you were truly allergic to B vitamins, you'd be dead because you can't sustain life without B vitamins. But it's more a component uh, component of the fillers or the additives or something else in that formulation that is uh, probably the issue. Um, I've had a lot of people that have come to us because they've had an allergy to X, Y, or Z or something like that, and we give them the stuff and they don't have a problem with it. Um, Milk is a perfect example. People, that say they have a milk allergy or a dairy allergy. Um, They end up having um, all these reactions. So sometimes people say, well, I get uh, a lot of burping. I'll get a lot of flatulence. I get a lot of cramping. I get a lot of, uh, you know, these type of things when I take dairy. I get a lot of diarrhea. Those aren't really allergies. That's more intolerance, more more lactose intolerance. And then when they see our um, protein, which many of you probably have already used or are using the – the uh, medicalicious protein that's uh, available at the IEDFW, you'll notice that that's a hundred percent whey uh, isolate protein. So people will see that's coming from whey, which is dairy, and they'll say, "Oh, I can't take that." I've never, ever, ever had a single person that has said that they can't take this, and I've told them, "Go ahead and take it. You're not, not going to see the same problem." And they take it, and, and they've had a dairy issue where they get a catharsis, you know, the cathartic type um, loose bowel movements, or they end up having whatever issues they get whenever they take dairy. I've never had a person that had dairy issues that have taken that's taken that protein and had the same issue. Why? Because again, it's not dairy per se. It's taking um, it's a 100% cold filtered whey isolate. So there's three different components to when you take the protein out of milk. Whey is a very specific component of milk, and then from that whey, we're taking out a very specific component of the protein. So there's whey concentrate, there's whey uh, caseinate, whey concentrate, and whey isolate. Whey caseinate is the most abundant protein, and it's actually can have some allergenicity. Uh, whey concentrate is is less issue, whey isolate is like the highest level quality of the protein. So the protein that we have um, that's available is 100% whey isolate. It is a very very specific component of the protein component of a specific component of the milk of the dairy, of the milk which is the whey component and people just don't have an issue with it. So a lot of times when we're allergic to things, for example, I've had people that when I used to be uh, an ER doctor, I've got about uh, almost twelve thousand hours of ER documented time when I would before I before I uh, before my first son was born, Abhi was born. He was born in nineteen ninety-nine. So up until then, up until January nineteen ninety-nine, I had opened my practice after I got out of the military. And uh, from nineteen ninety-six when I got out of the military till nineteen ninety-nine, I worked in emergency rooms too. And um I can tell you that every single person that came into that emergency, those emergency rooms that I worked at that had what they called a sulfur allergy uh, did not have a sulfur allergy. And that kind of got me going on this thing where I started looking at sulfur allergies and trying to understand it. Let me tell you something. It is impossible to have a sulfur allergy. Now, why am I talking about a sulfur allergy when we're just talking about milk? Because this is how people think. They think, okay, well, every time I eat an egg, I end up having hives, so I must have a sulfur allergy. No, you don't have a sulfur allergy because if you had a sulfur allergy, because this is the thought process that I, I can't take a, a sulfur drug, okay? If you have a sulfur drug, now I personally, if I take a sulfur drug, I break out in hives. But does that mean I have a sulfur allergy? No, because if I truly had a sulfur allergy, I would be dead because sulfur is essential to life. So you have these amino acids, and these amino acids form. Uh, clumps of amino acids or chains of amino acids, and and we call those peptides. And then you have a bunch of different peptides, and put those together, they form what they call polypeptides. And polypeptides convolute, and they combine, and they come into this, like, a big ball of yarn-looking thing, and these are the different types of proteins. So proteins are nothing more than a combination of polypeptides, which are a combination of peptides, which are a combination of amino acids. In order for that protein now to maintain its integrity, to be morphologically... Functional, it must maintain its wrapped up like a ball of yarn. Okay, it's not like a straight train. Like when you look at the amino acids and you you sequence them out, it's like a straight line. But when it's in the protein structure, it just you know waddles up into this into this ball-like scenario. If you look at a you know, Google image of uh, of uh, in fact, I'll have to do this. But if you Google uh, image of a protein, you'll see that it's it's a whole twisted you know ball of yarn looking type of sequence of amino acids. In order for the protein to be functional, it must maintain that structure. If you change it or if you try to unravel it, that's called protein denaturing and that's not consistent with life. How does that protein maintain its structure? Through things called sulfhydryl bonds, okay? These are sulfur-based bonds. So if you were allergic to sulfur, you'd be dead because you wouldn't be able to have that sulfur in your body. So this it's ludicrous. And then why do I get hives when I take a sulfur drug? Well, it's nothing to do with the sulfur. It's what people have called it. It's actually something else. It's something else that's an additive in that sulfur drug. So sulfur drugs, for example, um, the the generic name for Bactrim or for Septra. These are drugs that are used commonly in sulfur-based drugs for urinary tract infections. So Bactrim sulfur, uh, Bactrim or Septra. That's uh, Trimethoprim-Sulfamethoxazole. That's the that's the um, generic components of septra or Bactrim. is trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole. So you're not allergic to the sulfamethoxazole. You're allergic to probably the trimethoprim or some component within there. But we start thinking, oh, we're allergic to the sulfur drugs. So now we stop eating eggs and all the stuff because we're allergic to protein. So my point, again, is you're not allergic to what you think you're allergic to. When you drink dairy and you have a problem and then you say, oh, I can't have anything but dairy and anything that's dairy, now you think, well, it's, it's dairy related, so I'm going to have an allergy to it. That is not the case, okay? It is certain components within that substance that is causing an allergenicity. So you end up throwing out the baby with the bathwater, and that's not a good thing to do. In addition to that, dairy, and since we're talking about dairy, I'll just mention this with Way Isolated since that was an example that we brought up. When you're talking about dairy, I want you to remember this part. It's not the issue with the dairy. It's what we do to the dairy, and it's what we do to our own systems, and that creates a problem. So humans have been drinking cow's milk for eons, okay, for hundreds of thousands of years. Cows have been domesticated for hundreds of thousands of years. But we've never had those types of problems up until probably the last hundred years. And that came about because of the use of bovine human growth um, bovine growth hormone to make the cows bigger faster, feeding them um, grains that were that were basically grown using insecticides and pesticides. So that throws off the uh, the, the grains, and then you've got genetically modified components in this, and that alters the genetic component of it. And now you're feeding that to the cows, and then the cows are. Um, Ingesting this and it's becoming part of their system. And then they're producing milk now that has been genetically modified and that has insecticides and pesticides. And of course, the cattle are put into these small pens and they give them antibiotics so that they don't get diseases. And now you're getting all those antibiotics and insecticides and pesticides and genetically modified components that you're ingesting in the milk or in the meat that you're eating from the cows. And so the cycle gets worse and worse and worse. So we're becoming a more sensitized population because we get, we've got a lot more garbage in our food systems. Over the last you know 50 to 75 years and that's why it becomes so important to eat organically and eat clean and eat uh, range-fed and as you know find a farmer um, in your local area if you, if you are able to or find a farmer that raises cattle himself and then whatever he's going to keep back from himself you know get your meat from that source um, these are the common ways o- or get things that are that are organic uh, as best as you can because we are what we eat, and there's so much that we in what we eat that's just garbage. And then it creates these hyperallergenicity issues and, and autoimmune conditions, and then we start blaming it on dairy or we start blaming it on, you know, um, other things. Uh, and there are certain things that, that are problematic, obviously. Like I've been always a person that believes that gluten is not the issue. It's our guts that are the issue, and we become more sensitized. But there's more and more stuff that's being done to the grains um, and so that's altered the, you know, the gluten. Why didn't we have all these gluten issues, you know, 75 to 100 years ago? Well, because our guts were stronger as a, as a world society and we didn't have all this genetically modified garbage and all these insecticides and pesticides that have now caused uh, the gluten component to change or adjust. I, I don't know. I'm not a researcher in gluten. I'm just saying that there's a reason why it hasn't been a problem 100 years ago and it's a massive problem today. So, yes, I do avoid things with gluten, but not because I believe gluten's a problem, but because I believe what we've done to our food supply has changed the gluten, and what we've done to our own bodies over you know the last fifty, seventy, five, hundred years has also changed, and we've become more insensitive to these things, or or maybe I should say become more sensitive, more sensitized to these things. And again, you know, God's design is not a mistake. It's 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 a perfect design. So when we're taking in things that aren't good for us, and when our systems have been abused or or, or damaged, then the ingestion of those things becomes more problematic. So um, I'm gonna say this right now, this would be something that I w- I'll expand on this in the IEDW portion, but I wanna say this right now because this is really, really important. I want you guys to take this at face value. This is an incredible, incredible gift when you end up having some type of a response to the food that you eat that may be negative. It's a tremendous gift. Well, how can you say that, Doctor? How can you say having a gluten sensitivity is such a gift? Because it's your body's feedback mechanism, warning you and telling you, "Hey, wake the hell up and stop eating this." Because I sometimes eat things and they, they they create a problem for me, and I've never had that problem. And in the beginning, I was thinking, "You know, what's going on with me? Why am I?" And I realized what a blessing, because our systems are becoming. More into at least my the cleaner you get, you're gonna see this phenomenon too. The more detox you you you've had, the more detoxification you've had, the more sensitive more sensitized you become to your environment, the more sensitive you become to your environment. But what a gift it is that if you eat something and your body reacts in a certain manner, it tells you whatever it is, whether that's gluten or not gluten, the blah blah blah. You can eat certain things and make you feel good, and that that's fine. And you know, if if uh you eat dark chocolate it makes makes you feel good that's fantastic you know I love dark chocolate and I eat it and sometimes I wish that dark chocolate created some kind of problem for me so I wouldn't eat so much of it but but there's certain things that we eat that we may think are okay for us and then we get a reaction to it that's your body giving you a signal giving you feedback directing you warning you it is your consultant it's your health consultant telling you on your shoulder hey don't eat this because it's causing a problem for you it's not rocket science it's a very simple thing but what a gift but yet we look at it look at our mindset our mindsets are totally different oh my god I'm having this problem when I take this in change your mindset change your mindset that when you have a reaction to a food be grateful and be thankful that your body is that attuned that it is warning you that X Y and Z that you're ingesting or that you're drinking is giving you this response this reaction because then your body is now becoming you're becoming partners with your body in order to achieve a better state of health, to achieve the wellness that you desire. So say the prayer of thanks. Give that intention. When you have a reaction to something that you've eaten, be grateful because your body is guiding you. It is helping you to stay on the right track so that you remain healthy and you continue to maintain your state of wellness and continue to live a long and healthy and prosperous life. If you consistently take in things that are going to be uh, detrimental that your body's going to have an adverse reaction to, then that's telling you there's wear, tear, damage, whatever's going on in your body, and you're decreasing that state of wellness, and you're not going to be able to live as long because you're going to be chronically abusing your system and the reactions that you're having to the foods that you're having that you're eating is that proof, that manifestation, right? So if somebody is very, very overweight, for example, um, that in, in itself is telling me that your body is telling you something. Okay? And how does a person start losing weight? And I've done everything that I know to lose weight, but I haven't been able to – well, I mean, this is going to go into a different topic. Um, but you know what? We've got somebody online right now. M.M. is a, a great uh, believer in the nine steps to keep the doctor away, the book that I wrote. And he's a perfect example of somebody that starts doing those steps, and they're going to start losing body fat. I think, M.M., you, you're already down below 40 pounds or something. Your wife had said last week. But, okay. This is a perfect example. When you start doing the things right, your body will start to realign. The body's tendency and desire is not to retain body fat. I'm telling you right now, the body starts going to into a, a state of holding on to body fat because of certain components, certain lifestyle choices that we've made, certain thought processes we have, certain mindsets that we have. And we start doing, changing that around um, the side effect or the consequence, the natural consequences of the body to lose body fat. Um, all right, so let me go on to the next question. Uh, Tracy, I will get that I will get that taken care of uh, regarding the M4. Lynn asks, uh, my son is autistic twenty-six nonverbal. Is it too late for treatment for him? Lynn, it's never too late for treatment, but here's the problem. Beyond the age of 13, 14, our results start to exponentially decrease. And the reason is is because the brain loses its elasticity. The brain is highly, highly elastic in the first seven years of life. That's one reason a child can pick up and learn a language, a new language like that. You know, it's like not even a thought process. It just happens. Whereas for somebody in their 20s or even in their late teen years, they have to exert effort to learn a new language because the neural pathways have already basically been established and the brain is no longer as elastic as it was, okay? Um, And so when somebody's already 26, the brain has basically completely formed at this point and it's not as elastic. Now, my oldest child that I have that is today neurotypic, who was autistic when they came to me, uh, is a young man whose name is David, and he was 16 when we started his treatment, and he's now, I think, in his late 20s, or, gosh, David David must be, he must be like 26, 28 years old now. Um, And maybe he's even older than that, I don't know. Uh, You know, and he's fine now today, but he wasn't, that's the oldest child that I've treated that's totally neurotypic. I've treated people in their 30s and actually had a 42-year-old uh, with a lot severe, severe seizure disorder that was severely autistic, and we were able to reduce his seizures. He was having multiple grand mal seizures a day down to, you know, one grand mal every two weeks or so, and so his parents were very grateful for that, um, but, you know, we weren't able to change the, the damage that had already been done from the um, chronicity of that, of the toxicity from, from the mercury and from whatever else, you know, contributed to that but mercury is the thing that causes the denudation of the infriable, so, um, you know, can we improve verbalization and functionality? I've had a number of uh, young adults, in fact, just uh, was looking at a video of a young man that we treated, and uh, he went from no no ability to talk to being able to voice certain words, was not able to go out in public, but then was able to get to the point that he could go to church and um, hum along with the hymns while his parents were in church, um, was able to start to uh, dress himself and put it on his own clothes, get on a bus himself. And so that it took about it took about uh, six months of treatment to get him to that point. And he was 23, I believe, when he started his treatment. But you know, he he will never be um, neurotypic is what I call neurotypic. So hopefully that answers your question, Lynn. Paul says my grandson has a B12 deficiency. He has been taking B12 shots, but his B12 is still low, your thoughts. Yeah, that's a perfect example, you know, because it's not, it's not the, you know, when we talked about the end chain component, so you can give the body whatever you think it needs, but if if you're not giving it the form the body needs, whatever you're, whatever you're measuring is still going to be low because the body's not getting what it needs, okay, it's not getting it the format that you need. Think of it as, um, how do I explain this, the form that it's being delivered in is not seen by the body as what your body is low in, okay. And so, there's, there are ways of bypassing that, and and that's one reason. In fact, we used to give B twelve injections, and we don't, we we rarely give B twelve injections now, unless unless there's a certain reason to. But on a, like somebody comes in, they need a B twelve injection, we do that. But anybody who is requiring B twelve on a regular basis, injections are not the way to do it because you know you can't have somebody on injections the rest of their life. I mean, I guess you could, like with diabetes and stuff like that, but. Uh, it Basically means that they're not absorbing the bees and we do it in a different way and I'm not going to get into all those details, but they are they are components that we have You uh, know actually if you're on on IEDFW um, I'll actually put I'll put all these things so I'll put M1 m 2 I think M3 is already on there and M8. I don't know if M8 is on there But we'll have a couple components on there and we'll talk about what those are and what they do And that way you guys can have access to it if you're IEDFW members. Paul said he's two years old. Yeah, Paul, I, I totally understand. Uh, again, injections, B B twelve injections, so some people uh help other people that do it, even though the B vitamins are low and it doesn't help. So again, you need to talk to, you know, again, I'm not i I'm not a treat I'm not treating your grandson and you don't have guardianship or your grandson, so we're talking about like a, you know, we're talking like three three degrees of separation here, but um, I don't want you going to your uh, son or daughter and then saying, "Well, Doctor Tar said this," because again, I'm not the treating physician. And you know, from a general standpoint, this is what happens when B12 shots are being given. The B12 and some people help, and other people the the shots don't help. And the reason it doesn't help is because the form that they're getting it in is not in a form that the body can assimilate and utilize. And that's why it doesn't change their their levels and it doesn't help them. Okay, hopefully that helps. Alright, I'm gonna switch very quickly to Instagram, see if there's any questions on Instagram because don't want to neglect people. So hello to everyone. Okay, so what state are you in? So the they are we are in two states in California and in North Carolina and uh, from from the clinic aspect I'm all over the place so physically but uh, that's that's where the clinics are all right and the question is help me with anxiety please okay so I just I just saw this question right below so let me answer that The second one, which is where do we post questions? So the questions are posted if you go to askdrbuttar.com. It's A-S-K, ask, doctor D-R, and then my last name B-U-T-T-A-R. Askdrbuttar.com, and you can go there and submit your questions. All right. Coming back with anxiety. Um, So when we're dealing with things such as anxiety, or with depression, or with um, those types of issues, I, I can't go into this. in a a short broadcast here, but basically, there's a lot of different components to this, okay? Anxiety, depression, very, very close, and I approach them both the same way. A lot of this has to do with what I call the fifth toxicity, so the seven toxicities, if you read the nine steps to keep the doctor away, or actually, um, I talk about the seven toxicities, but you can actually even go into your advanced medicine dashboard. And uh, on the left hand side under, under education, click on those tabs where it says uh, facts on toxicity and you'll find those videos that you can watch. And the fifth toxicity, I go into the fifth toxicity quite a bit. And the fifth toxicity actually is the most significant one when it comes to things such as cancer as well. So your question is, help me with anxiety please. And I would, I would say that the first step that you need to do is you need to go in, if you don't have an account, advancedmedicine.com go to advancedmedicine.com and you can register there for free you do need an invitation code so you can get on facebook or if any of the moderators uh for if anybody's on instagram you can share your invitation code um with uh i think it's uh or l e d e -E leddy um and they will that will that invitation code will allow you access to create your own Free dashboard and when you create your dashboard on the left-hand side at advancedmedicine.com, you'll see facts and toxicity go through those videos and you'll see the fifth one which is emotional psychological and that's where we go into what contributes to anxiety and how things can be changed um, and it's actually applicable to depression but it's actually applicable to any type of emotional psychological trauma and that's what anxiety usually starts from anxiety and and depression um, they all go back to that root cause of uh, some type of a trauma, some type of a fear, some type of a, this an underlying reason that a person feels that way. And so then, to be able to deal with that, you have to first effectively address you know what that is. And for the people that are co- for people that are part of the Map to Get Ahead program, um, for the coaches, we are going to be implementing an emotional technique that will. Um, not not a technique but a treatment a method of treating there's many different techniques you can get you can get access to but there's a very specific uh, treatment modality that we use in our clinic and it's a form of biofeedback and I have found it to be extremely extremely beneficial I've been using it for almost um, I've been using it for over 10 years I'm, I'm pretty sure I've been using it for over ten years and um, we are going to have that accessible to those people that are, if they if they want to go ahead and schedule for that, doing the map to get ahead consultations. It's not going to be ready right away. It's probably going to take another month, two months to implement. But the coaches are going to get trained on this too, and they will be able to then provide those um, those sessions remotely, no matter where you are in the world. Uh, there there will be some stuff that has to be shipped to you, and um, it's some hardware that has to be attached to your computer. And um, then when you're done with the with the treatment, which may take you know six weeks, eight weeks, twelve weeks, whatever it is, uh, then you just send that back. And um, so you're not having to purchase anything; it's just more like a rental. Um, but anyway, long that's that's get going to a different topic. We'll talk about that. It becomes more applicable. But anxiety, depression, uh, fear, guilt, uh, resentment, forgiveness issues, um, anger—all these different things. Okay, they all kind of come together. And they're all basically addressed the same way. Uh, Anxiety and depression seem to be more sociably acceptable because they've got enough drugs for them and they've got, you know, all these different things that people do for them. Of course, none of that stuff works or minimally works. Uh, But there's no drug for anger. There's no drug for forgiveness. There's no drug for uh, fear. There is a drug for depression. There is a drug for anxiety, many drugs for anxiety and depression. Um, but the problem is, they all come from the same place, right? They all start from the same place, and they're just different uh, roads that go that extend beyond. And to be to be able to get rid of that stuff at its core, then you have to come down to the actual uh, causation. Okay, what what I call the actual ideology, or the basic ideology, means what's the actual cause, the root of it all, and have to address it at that point. And a lot of people talk about this from a conceptual standpoint, but you know, it's lip service. Um, I've been saying this for over a quarter of a century that I don't treat symptoms, I treat the, the causation of those symptoms. And by doing so, then the symptom itself becomes our feedback. You know, if the symptom is still present, that means I missed the boat. If the symptom disappears, that means I hit the target. And so that's how we should really look at it. And so anxiety is a symptom of an underlying problem. Hopefully that 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 makes sense later. Uh, Simi, Simi Mojo says, do you like the Hulda Clark Protocols? Uh, actually, Hulda Clark was a friend of mine and we had many, many conversations. I never met her in person, but we had many conversations that went two, three, four hours, uh, usually at one or two in the morning or three in the morning. Um, she was on the West Coast, I was on the East Coast at the time. And we would have these long conversations. I actually met her through a mutual friend, and um, she actually came to a, co- a conference that I gave a lecture at in San Diego. She was living in Mexico at that time, but unfortunately, they got mixed up with the schedule, so she came up from from Mexico to see me give this lecture on cancer, which uh, was she came a week later after the conference I had already over. So I never got to never had the pleasure of meeting Haldar in person, but she was a wonderful person. Um, very, very ahead of her time, and uh, we have used many of her protocols. I, I agree with many of her concepts. Um, I haven't, I haven't done, I don't use all the different things that Hulda talked about. But uh, certainly, all the components with uh, you know, before her, I didn't really realize the importance of um, the combination of um, the uh, some of the some of the antiparasitic components that we use today. Um, Artemisian and some of the other components that I was in you know, a wormwood was a very important part and and clove and, and I didn't know many of those things uh, until I read how works um, by 15 15 20 years ago so yes I do like her protocols and and had a great deal of respect for her can constipation come from parasites uh, constipation can come from many different things many many different things and yes parasites can cause constipation but it's not it's not limited to that autoimmune diseases come from vaccines autoimmune diseases certainly vaccines contribute to autoimmune diseases yes okay so somebody else asked about where questions are posted you post questions at advanced medicine i'm sorry you post questions at AskDrBittar.com. Okay, I must be doing something wrong because somebody's telling me you first need to close the comment box half screen by pulling it down. Yeah, I'm probably not the most savvy person on this, so I apologize for that. Uh, last question here I have multiple sclerosis. I'm on medication. I'm not on medication. What do you recommend? You know, again, it comes down to toxicity, and you have to identify what organs of detoxification are impaired. The first thing we do anybody that comes to our clinic and of course you're not a patient so it wouldn't necessarily be applicable to you but I would start at going to advancedmedicine.com register there and uh, you can create your free dashboard take the head map it doesn't cost any money the head map advanced health evaluation assessment for detoxification medical assessment program and find out which organs of detoxification are the most impaired and start there that's where I would start and that I'd start there with any type of condition that's why I start with anybody who comes to us I will not see a person in my clinic unless they've done the head map and actually, no, no other provider is uh, is allowed to see anybody either, unless they've done the head map. So hopefully, that makes, makes sense. Okay, coming back. Uh, Kelly says uh, maybe MTHFR mutation. Does he take a methylated B? Yeah. So you know, this is again. Methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase enzyme deficiency. It could be a glutathione S transverse issue. It could be a CMT lesion. It could be an You did many different things. Um, but to think that you can take a methylated B vitamin and, and increase that, it it's not not that simple. But, you know, you've. Th- there's the methylated B vitamins. All, all B vitamins should be methylated anyway. But that does not make them an enchain B vitamin. And the end chain B vitamins, just The easiest way to think about it is just what's digested, what's not digested, pre-digested versus not pre-digested. It's the end chain B vitamins, meaning how the body utilizes it when after it breaks those B vitamins down, and the end component or close to the end component is what we're talking about. Uh, Kellyanne says, "Do you recommend doing an elimination diet and then introducing to C? I'm not sure what you're referring to. If you're talking about a food allergy, um, yes, we, we do do that. But we don't introduce the substance back in to see what's going to happen. Um, we take them through our ARSV treatments, or we use uh, a couple of other components, but usually ARSV. And we want to introduce it back into the system so that the body can then be retrained so it's not allergic to it. So that's a very deep topic. And I'm not going to go into that right now. Um, Dr. Farah and or her husband Jack are online with us too, uh, becoming great friends. Hey Farah, how are you? Dr. Farah has, uh, has a lot of experience in utilizing herbal medicine and um, I'm hoping to learn from her more. I mean, we use a lot of herbs and uh, I'm just kind of seeing some of the things that she's doing um, she is uh, an MD, but she is more naturopathic than most naturopaths are that I've seen, at least. Um, MM just said, "Good to see you, fair." Uh, MM says, "45 uh, pounds. I feel great." Okay, so MM's lost 45 pounds. So that's an, an example of what I just said. That if you do the right things, um, your your body is designed to be efficient. Okay, and. Its goal is to reach a certain state that is referred to in quantum physics as zero point. Now, zero point is maximum output with minimal expenditure. What what I mean by that? It would be, think of a car that has limitless range and has no need for fuel. So it's mi- maximum output, i.e. it can keep on going forever, with minimal input. It needs no fuel. That would be zero point. And our goal from a longevity standpoint, from a health standpoint, from a wellness standpoint, from a mindset standpoint, from an optimization standpoint, from an anything that you do standpoint, should be to achieve zero point or get as close to as we can to zero point, which is maximum output with minimal expenditure. So this is a... A phenomena of quantum physics. And when you start to apply those principles to the body, you realize that the body's desire, the body's goal is to function optimally. And when you have excess body weight on, that's not allowing to function optimally. You know, you have pain when you get up, you got more weight that you gotta carry, your heart has more tissue has to perfuse, etc. 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 So the once we start doing the right things the body's own natural tendency will go back into a state of efficiency, and that's what we want. So when we're exercising, for example, we are helping the body become more efficient. It's helping to train the body to become more efficient. We're not exercising for, you know, what is your mindset when you exercise? Very, very important, okay? I know because I've gone through both both extremes where I couldn't sleep unless I'd worked out, and I mean, you know, very, very hard workouts, and then to the point of being a totally lazy bum, and and getting fat and real and that part of it, self sabotage and realizing your self sabotage and looking at it and observing it uh, as a third party and then getting back up and going back to the opposite extreme and going back and forth, vastly between the between the two, it's your mindset. Okay, when you exercise, what are you thinking? Are you thinking of it as an obligation? Okay, and that's one of my problems. I've always think of thought of it as an obligation, and so it's created an internal turmoil for me. Whereas if you look at it from a mindset of efficiency, I'm becoming more efficient. My body's becoming more efficient. When I'm exercising, I'm just training my body to become more efficient. That's all I'm doing. It's a simple thing. I'm doing it so that my body it approaches zero point. It changes the energy of, the, of, of your thought process, of your mindset, which now allows you to be able to achieve and accomplish and move towards what you want, which is making your body more efficient. So that simple technique of changing the mindset and I'm going to be talking more and more about this at some of the things that are coming up, like at our uh, at our retreat that we're going to try to do in October, um, but also um, this tentatively we've scheduled it for the first week of October. And um, we're going to be talking about that and a couple of other, we're going to be talking about the mindset aspect and a couple of other very powerful techniques, uh, ways for people to enhance their own systems. And the coaches, the advanced medicine coaches are going to be uh, trained in some of these components and hopefully be able to... Expand on this, or at least to be able to give you guys some information on this, so that those that want to participate and and learn about some of this information in more depth will have the opportunity to do so. So, we want to approach zero point, and zero point is the key that if we can approach zero point in anything we do in life, we're going to be able to uh, do it better, faster, stronger, etc. etc. All right, so.
1: Get that
0: going there. All right. Let me finish on this end. Okay, uh, Luis said the M four is shown under the patient tab. Thank you for that, Luis. So, for those people that were talking about the minerals in the beginning portion. Obviously, if you're on advanced medicine and you can't see that, or you're not an IADFW member, you won't see that. But if you are an IADFW member, uh, Louise just said if you go underneath the patient tab on the far left, um, the M4 is shown there. I'm not sure that, does that mean that you can order it, Louise? I don't don't know. I'll have to find that out because it shouldn't say patient tab. It, It probably, okay, we need to change that if that's what it says. I'm just making some notes to myself so I can remember this stuff. I'm getting more and more pages of notes that I haven't, that I have not um, have been able to address yet. You're welcome, Lynn. Amy said I'm down 22 pounds. Read the nine steps, people. That's a gift. Thank you, Doctor Carr. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I uh, I am very pleased that the book now in its ninth year is still continuing to sell um, I don't know how many copies but um, I know that the statistics are only three percent of books ever sell more than a thousand copies total of thousand copies and I think we're probably selling um, hundreds if not thousands of copies every every year um, I know that we've sold thousands of copies when it first came out because it hit all the bestseller status and Uh, But I I don't know. I know we could continue to sell those books. So I appreciate you saying that, Amy, but it has been um, it has been a book that has helped many people. And so I'm humbled that it's made such a difference in so many people's lives. But the book is part and parcel of what you get on the um, on the when you join the Map to Get Ahead program, you get a copy of the book, electronic and hard copy uh, version. And I will be working on the audio version of it too, because uh, people have asked me about that. But I am—I listen to most of my books nowadays on audio, so I do need to get that done. And I will be working on that too to get the book into the audio version. Iman says, Doctor, I have consultation with Sarah next Monday. I'd like to get DNP escalation since I'm removing my as a founder. North Carolina your office, my questions, whether I'll be able to meet you. Not sure if. I'll be seeing you as well. And also, have you had any patients that you needed that only needed one chelation, trying to be positive? Uh, Yeah, chelation is like a journey. It's not like a destination, okay? And um, if somebody said that you only needed one chelation, I would say you probably didn't need that one chelation. Um, Because if you need chelation, you're going to need a lot more than just one. And as far as the rest of the things, I'm not in North Carolina at, at this current moment. And um, I am spending more time on the West Coast right now. And uh, there's, there's a couple different, I'll be all over the place. I'll probably be back in the office probably, well, I'd prefer not to talk about my schedule on uh, on a live broadcast, but uh, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity in, in the future for us to meet. I'll just leave it at that, all right. I will be in the, I'll just say this, that I'll be off and on in the clinic um, in in August and uh, then back to the West Coast again. So there's there's a lot of things that are moving, there are a lot of moving parts right now. So that's one reason I don't know what my schedule is always. And uh, patients that are scheduled with me, you know, I know about that schedule, but the rest of it I I don't talk about um, because I don't know how they're scheduling things right now. I just know what my schedule is right now. So, but I'm sure that we'll meet in the future. Uh, Amy said, "Oh yeah, my blood sugar was 175 to 280s. Now no meds, just nine steps book, and it's 89 to 100. That's awesome, Amy. That's excellent. And that's again, if if a person follows the steps, and they it, you know physiology is physiology. It's it's basically how the body works, and a person just needs to follow what um, the ultimate engineer." Outline for us to follow, basically, and that's all the nine steps is. It's basically a roadmap back to how uh, we should be living our bodies based upon how physiology tells us. Some people say, "Well, you know, did God speak to you, Doctor or Is it, How do you know that God's the one that said?" But it's, it's not what I'm saying that God's saying that. I just know that God created us, physiology. So I'm looking at the physiological rules, the the laws of physiology, and understanding physiology. And so, based upon how our bodies work, um, which the ultimate engineer design, that's where I'm taking it from and I'm saying that these are the rules of how the body works and this is how we should be doing it so that we optimize the rules within which our bodies were designed to to work, you know. perfect example would be we're not designed to ventilate water, so if we stick our head under water, we can't breathe it, that's not how our bodies are designed. We're not just to, to, to ventilate smoke, we're not designed to ventilate smoke, so putting a cigarette in your mouth and trying to breathe that is the same thing as slamming your head into water. We're designed to ventilate air, okay, uh, oxygen is what we need. So plants are designed to uh, intake uh, the carbon dioxide that we give off and then we take off and the the plants give off oxygen, which is what we take in. So it's a perfect symbiotic relationship between humans and plants or or biological life form and plant life form. But what plants breathe out as waste, we take in as a life-sustaining component, which is oxygen. And what we give out as waste, which is carbon dioxide, plants require that. as a uh, life-sustaining substance, and so that's one reason I'm so against cutting down trees or plants. I'm very reluctant to do that because in my mind I'm always thinking that you know the plants are giving off what we need. So, and what are we doing? We're cutting off the lungs of the planet by cutting down you know hundreds of thousands of acres in the Congo and in the Amazon. That's one reason when people people talk about bleeding hearts, forget about the bleeding heart component, right? I mean, I'm truly a tree hugger, like literally a tree hugger. But that's why I'm concerned about it because it's it's gonna affect our, our planet. So I believe in industry and I believe in capitalism and I also believe in being responsible and there's, you don't have to go around and cut down trees that have been around for 300, 400, 500 years. You know, we can, there's farming that can be done. You can farm trees, but you know, look at hemp. Hemp grows faster and it's more resilient and makes better quality paper. And, and of course you, you may not be able to make uh, you know furniture out of it, but there's other things that can be done with the hemp stock uh, that can then be used to make furniture. And they've, they've got shampoos made out of hemp and they've got you know all sorts of different products that are made out of bamboo and all these things. We don't have to go out and cut out all the, the trees that are that have been here for so long, is my point. There's other ways of doing it. There's other ways of um, we're having a more sustainable environment. Okay, I'll step off my, my preaching block there. Um, there's some guys, uh, Amy, Richard, MM, they're sharing their invitation code. So if you're not a member at advancedmedicine.com, feel free to use one of these invitation codes. And then these uh, individuals will be able to help and guide you in in the process. And uh, basically, if you go to advancedmedicine.com, you register there. It's free. It doesn't cost any money, but then you'll have access to the head map and you'll have access to many other uh, components on that that webinar. Uh, I'm sorry, many other components, including webinars. Uh, Shakur says, how can I contact you? Uh, Shakur, you can send a message right here or... Uh, you can contact the office, and they'll be able to help you. Thank you, Louise, for that. Christina says, "I have a renal cyst that is growing. Should I be concerned?" Uh, renal cysts can be quite benign, and again, I don't know that I don't know in what capacity or how that was how that was established. You have a renal cyst, but you know it all depends uh, what that renal cyst shows. And again, I don't like to get into these type of questions because you know, it's very specific to you because we don't know what, you could say it's a renal cyst, but it could be a a lesion that was described as a cystic lesion, and that's what you're seeing, but it could be something else, and then, God forbid, something was more serious, and the person comes back and says, well, Dr. Tarr said blah, blah, blah. So I I don't get into these type of specific questions um, for medical legal reasons, but there are things such as renal cysts that are benign that you don't have to be worried about, but it all depends on how it was determined, whether it was actually a cyst or whether it was a, it's a cystic lesion um, that could be uh, malignant, so I, I don't really know I, I, because I don't know your particulars. But even even the studies that are done, like if it's an ultrasound that was done or a CT scan that's done, you know they're not always definitive. So if it's just a, if it really is just a renal cyst, nah, I wouldn't be too worried about it. If it's something more, then it's obviously something that should be looked at. Uh, Kellyanne, you're welcome. Uh, Tracy, that uh, if you're a member of the IADFW, you should be able to see it. If you're not a member of the IADFW, then you won't see it. Um, I don't know if that's – oh, okay, okay, I see you. Louise says it's on It's on the website, on the clinic website. Yes. So it, on the clinic website, Louise, that's different. So that's, on, that's also a patient thing. It, for advancedmedicine.com, that's what we're talking about. So the clinic website is just set up for the patients. Nobody can access that unless, it's, unless they have a, a password. And – that's only for patients, so please don't give that out. That's um, that's a totally different thing, so let's not get, get me confused. I don't, I don't usually talk about the clinic website. I'm always talking about advancedmedicine.com. So um, that's that's what we're talking about. If somebody's a patient at the clinic, then they have access to everything, obviously. Yeah, Tiffany, that's why she's talking about it. I think Louise got confused there. So everything's on advancedmedicine.com. We're, that's what we're talking about. And what Louise is talking about, Louise happens to be a patient at the clinic, so she's getting uh, the advancedmedicine.com and, and Dr. Um She's talking about the not not the advanced medicine. So M4 is not probably on the advancedmedicine.com and we will get it up there. Alexia says, you look tired, get some rest. We really appreciate your passion information. I need to sign off, I'll tune in again. Um, no, I'm actually well rested, I just, I just looked this way. <laughs> I haven't worked out. I usually look more alive when I've worked out, so I'm missing. I'm missing my workout right now. Richard said, "Congratulations to so Amy." Absolutely. You're welcome, MM. I appreciate that. Louise, nothing to be sorry about. It's a it's a easy thing to get uh, mixed up. No no problem. Okay, uh, Shahina has a question. So I'll, I'll make this the last question for the regular broadcast, and then we'll take a five-minute break and then go on uh, IADFW. Hopefully it won't be like last week and, and have a big time, big uh, interval day where uh, I was not able to get on for whatever reason. But uh, we haven't had any problems, so I think I should be able to get on pretty easily. So Shahina's question is, I have terrible heartburn. Anything I eat, it gives me heartburn and acidity. What is your advice? I take baking soda with apple cider vinegar. Any advice? Yes, Shahina. um, So this, again, I don't give medical advice to anybody that I'm talking to on Facebook, but uh, I would talk generally for anybody that has these types of issues. To take baking soda, if you have heartburn, is the worst thing that you can do. All right? You should not be doing that because all you're doing is you're further exacerbating and confusing the issue. So there are things inside the stomach that are called the parietal cells, and their job is to make hydrochloric acid. So when you take baking soda, the body says, uh-oh, the acid is being, made, it's being neutralized. Uh, acid inside the stomach is around a pH of 1. It's there to help digest the food. You're obviously not having enough, di- enough enzymes to digest the food, enough hydrochloric acid to digest the food. So what happens? The food comes into your body, and when it, when it comes into your body, there's not sufficient enzymes and hydrochloric acid to break it down. And so that's what causes the reflux because the food isn't being broken down. So all you need is a little bit of digestive enzymes and a little bit of hydrochloric acid and that would fix your problem. But instead you're taking baking soda. And baking soda is making your pH in your stomach more alkaline. And that then causes the pH to rise and you want the pH to be low in the stomach. So the heart, the, the parietal cells say, uh-oh, not enough acid and starts pumping out more acid and that's what we want we want more acid but you keep on giving more baking soda so you keep on neutralizing it and so the heartburn continues to get worse you need to break that cycle and change it now having said that there are other conditions that can create that problem and we, that's where you need to go into um, the advanced medicine website and you can use one of those invitation codes that some of the members have put up there and just go in there to advancedmedicine.com and take the head map and see what your head map score shows and where the problems lie. And that'll give you an indication of whether that's what I just suggested is the issue or not. It could be other things too, but that's generally speaking what the issue is. And um, more often than not, I'd say probably in 70% of the cases, all a person needs is some digestive support and that those issues go away. Now, if it's more complicated than that, and something else that's going on uh, or something more involved, then there could be uh, other interventions that are needed or required, okay? All right, guys, so hopefully, uh, yep, that's the last question. So I'm going to go ahead and get offline now, and then we will reconvene for the IADFW members in about 5 to 10 minutes. I, I don't think it's going to take 10 minutes, maybe 5 minutes, all right? I'll talk to you guys in a short, in a short while. And for the rest of you guys, uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Good night.
1: Thank you for tuning in with us today. For more information and links on other valuable resources, please visit advancedmedicine.com and medicalrewind.com. Also be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The How Report, and join Dr. Rasha Pitar for his Facebook Live broadcast every Monday evening and for hundreds of hours of Advanced Medicine podcasts, which are broadcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and are available in the podcast section of MedicalRewind.com. You can find Dr. Buttar on Facebook by searching for Dr. Rashid A. Buttar, and on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram by using Dr. Don't forget to head over to AdvancedMedicine.com and register for your free account, gain access to the HeadMap assessment, and many other free resources available at AdvancedMedicine.com. Use Dr. Batar's invitation code 11 and join today. Thank you for your support and for being a part of making the change the world is waiting for.